Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. Today's episode is called Our Coping Toolbox. And we're going to be talking about things that we can do um, and places that we can go or things that we can hang on to when we are in the depths, when we're in the really, really hard places of life. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I have been writing and teaching Bible studies for the past 15 years. I've worked with women, youth, Sunday school. I've been blogging for Time of Grace since 2017. I've written two books for them. Really what you need to know is that I love the Lord and I love the Word of God. And I find that the deeper I go into the Word of God, the more astounded I am that He loves us and that He notices us and that He cares so deeply about our lives. And my role is really to get people into the Word and to show them how awesome it is and to really get them to a place that they want to know and love God more. That's kind of my mission in life in a nutshell. I just want to remind you that earlier, um, Linda Buxa and I did two podcasts on mental health. They were called Hey, I'm Not Okay, and it was a part one and a part two. And we talked about the crisis that mental health is becoming in part one. And in part two, we talked about some of the very tangible and practical things that we can do to help us deal and um, cope with things in life. And we talked about things like rest and diet and um, exercise and those type of things. And today I'm going to look at it from a purely spiritual perspective. And we're going to go through three different things that we can turn to that are going to help us. I'm going to use quotes and songs and um, a lot of Bible passages today. And hopefully I want you to get to the place that your coping toolbox is so full that when you are struggling, you know right where to go and know just what to do. So first I want to say that in the world's eyes, their coping toolbox includes things like suicide. And just recently, in, in the last couple of weeks in my family, we had a close friend of ours overdose. And then within 24 hours, one of my children brought home a friend who was suicidal, who ended up staying way into the night and then coming back the next day. And so this has really hit home for our family in general. And we started talking about, and then at, at home we started talking about this, and then I went to the teen Bible study that I lead, and we really um, talked about coping toolboxes. So what do we turn to when we're struggling to cope? Well, the world turns to a lot of things like drinking, smoking, doing drugs, um, maybe binge watching something or binge eating or... or um, illicit sex, or anything to kind of take you out of your situation and help you just find pleasure for even a moment or just a little bit to kind of escape. And as God's people, we don't want to do those things. We want to do a little better, and we want to turn to God, and we want to use the things that he gives us in his word to help us get through these situations. And his word is not silent about this at all. There are so many examples and there are so many good passages. So that's what we're really going to focus on today. So the first thing I want to talk about is a quote from Lisa Apello that says, Time doesn't heal, God does. 
If you talk to anyone who has lost someone very close to them, whether it's their spouse or a sibling or a child, you'll find that it doesn't matter if it was three weeks ago or 15 years ago or 32 years ago, there is still hurt and there is still pain. And time does not take that pain away. And in fact, sometimes the pain in a specific time frame is much, much worse than it is than it was initially. So for instance, um, I had a good friend whose 21-year-old son died. And at the stage where all of his friends were graduating from college, getting married, starting to have kids, it was a really difficult time because they were thinking about you know, their son and, and the accomplishments he would have had at that point. And so it wasn't, you know, three weeks or, or six weeks after the funeral. It was years down the line. And my mother-in-law has said the same thing. Her um, husband has been gone for 15 plus years now. And she said, too, you know, that some of those, you know, those huge, huge moments of your life, like turning a specific age, whether it's 75 or 80 or or when your golden anniversary would have been or or whatever, those things are the things that really hit hard. And it doesn't matter how many years it has been. So I think Lisa really hit on something here in saying, you know, guys, we can't count on time healing the wounds. We have to run to God. And Isaiah 40, uh, verses 29 to 31, really help us with that. It says, he, God, gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Listen, guys, we can't depend on ourselves because our strength is so limited. (laughs) And anyone of us understand that completely because we get tired. And there's only so much we can do. And we get to the end of ourselves eventually. And we go, Lord, I don't have anything else to give myself. I can't cope. But when we run to God, God can. Because he has an unlimited amount of strength. And he can strengthen us when we are completely out of it. So look at Elijah. I often think of Elijah when he was on Mount Carmel. And he had confronted the people of Israel because they had turned to Baal worship and Ahab and Jezebel were behind it. And so he issued a little... um, challenge to the prophets of Baal. And he said, you make an altar, I'll make an altar. You call on your God and have him light the fire and um, burn up the sacrifice. And I'll do the same. And whoever's God does it, that's the true God. And you know how this goes. Of course, they called on Baal all day long and they cut themselves and they danced and they did all kinds of things trying to get his attention. And nothing happened because he's no God at all. And then Elijah called on his God, our God, And the fire came down from heaven. Well, Ahab and Jezebel were not too thrilled about this because when the people found out that the Baal was not the true God, (laughs) Elijah said, go kill all the prophets of Baal. And the people did. And, And Jezebel said, hey, those were my prophets. And so she decided she was going to, you know, put a bounty on Elijah's head. And before the day was over, she was going to kill him. And Elijah stayed on top of the mountain and he was waiting for signs of rain because it hadn't rained in the land for three years. And he kept seeing little clouds coming and forming. And, 
And anyway, Elijah had been through so much. And we see that before the rain comes, Ahab (laughs) heads down the mountain in his chariot. And God gave Elijah the strength to run ahead of the chariot the whole way down. That's a strength that only comes from God. That's not something Elijah could have done in his own strength. And oftentimes when I am feeling so weak and so overwhelmed and thinking, I can't do this, I say, you know, Lord, but you can. You have the strength that I need, and you're going to have to give me strength to keep going and to keep doing what I need to do in this situation. Psalm 37 is such a huge point of reference to go to when you are really overwhelmed and feeling down and out. The whole psalm is filled with wonderful words that are just going to set your mind right where they need to be. Words like, wait, refrain, be still, don't fret, trust, commit. Verses 23 and 24 of this psalm say, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. How's that for hope? We all stumble in many ways and at many times. But that psalm just reminds us that God is reaching down to pull us up every single time. We never get to a point that we are laying on the ground flat and God's laughing at us. Our friends might do that. A million people might do that. A million people might be waiting for our downfall. And again, that's an exaggeration. I don't even know a million people. A million people really don't care if I fall. (laughs) So it can seem like that at times. So at times it seems, especially with social media, that the whole world sees our embarrassing moments. But you know what? God's hand is right there, just waiting for us to come to him so he can lift lift us up. Pastor Clay Smith wrote a beautiful article about suicide lately. And um, he, he just talked about how a lot of times um, people who are suicidal are in this fog and they don't see the other side. They don't realize that the fog is ever going to lift. And, you know, we have to be really, really careful as Christians because we want to be empathetic, but we also don't want to encourage suicide. And that's why I'm trying to make us um, just take suicide out of our coop, our coping toolbox so that we don't turn to that. But um, Pastor Clay Smith said this, if you're thinking about ending your life, if that dark thought dances through your soul from time to time, I want you to know there is hope. There are people out there who care about you. You are not a burden. The most courageous thing you can do is not end your life, but reach out for help. I can't second that enough. I have told my um, teen Bible study group. I have told my teens at home. I have told the people that uh, my family is walking with through this. We are here for you. We'll lose sleep. We're fine with losing losing sleep. What we're not fine with is going to your funeral. And so, um, and I'm not saying that I don't get weary with the sleepless nights. And I'm not saying that I don't lose strength, but I keep going back to the Lord asking for the strength to go on. And it's, this is a battle that's worth the fight. I don't mind being tired. I will be tired. I would rather sit with you in the middle of this than, like I said, go to your funeral. 
then that's that I can't get, I can't bring you back. And so um, there are a lot of people who would very, very much rather you call them and reach out to them. And if you get the wrong one, go to someone else. David Crowder had a beautiful song. Um, It was the David Crowder band at the time. And it was called My Hope. And this is um, before his newer song, which is also called My Hope. So if you go to look it up, you almost have to type in My Hope, David Crowder, from Can You Hear Me, which is the album. But this was, um, the song was based on Psalm 42. And I have found a lot of comfort in this song. Um, Psalm 42, just so you know, um, there are phrases like, Why are you discouraged, my soul? Why are you so restless? Put your hope in God. The Lord commands his mercy during the day, and at night his song is with me. How cool is that? (laughs) Run to Psalm 42. That is a great psalm. But David Crowder wrote this song on it, um, and I have just really found a lot of hope in this song, and it reminds me where my hope is. So um, the song starts like this. Here I am again in this raging sea, on my knees again, deep calls to deep. I feel I'm drowning. My arms are just too tired to swim. I feel like I'm sinking on my knees again. In the roar of your waterfall, in the storm of you, may you find me holding on. May you find me true. And I put my hope and I put my trust and I put myself in you, Lord. It's just a great song to go to, to remind you that no matter how deep you're in, (laughs) you've got legal problems, you've got financial problems, you've got relational problems, you've got school problems, you're failing classes, your family's not getting along, you're lonely, you're 40 and you're not married, someone in your family has cancer, your grandma just died, whatever it is you're going through. God is your hope. And we've all been there. If you've lived long enough, you've been in the deep. (laughs) And guess what? If you live long enough, you're going to be there again. Because we're in this life that has so much uncertainty and so many bad things that happen. But God is still with us. So number one, we go to God for our healing and our rest. Number two. Number two is a quote from the Daily Scroll, and it says, Wait on the Lord, he will not fail you. I think that's so important because we live in this culture that we want everything right now, and we don't want to wait for anything. But it's actually very biblical to wait, and we need to remember that. We need to remember, like Dr. Clay Smith, um, Reverend Dr. Clay Smith said, you know, if we're in that fog, that doesn't mean the fog's going to last forever. It means we're in the fog now. Psalm 27:14 says, "Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord." Psalm 130 verse 5 says, "I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope." Psalm 40 verse 1 says, "I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry." Sometimes we need to wait. Sometimes when we're in the deep, we want things to change now. We hate the pain, but we have to learn to wait 
Because all we're seeing is our circumstances and our pain and the things that we're going through. But we have to remember that God is at work in everybody's lives. So not is he work, not only is he working in our life, but he's also working in the lives of everyone else involved in the situation. And as you know, change takes time. As you know, people don't often change overnight. And a lot of times we're impatient well, God is saying, just wait. Would you just wait? Because I'm working these things. I'm, I'm working in this person's heart, and I'm making this opportunity available, and I'm paving a road for you to go down that isn't even there yet. That road's not there, but if you just hold on, I'm making it ready. I think we need to learn to wait, and we need to learn to wait in trust of the Lord. So not just impatiently tapping our fingers on the table like, come on, Lord, this is ridiculous. We need to wait knowing that there's a bigger plan and knowing that God is doing something. I often think about David when he was running from King Saul. So David was um, had been working in King Saul's court, and King Saul saw him as a threat and decided he had to get rid of him because he knew that David was anointed to be the next king of Israel, and he didn't want that to happen. He wanted his son to be the next king of Israel. And eventually it got so bad, and David was in such jeopardy that he had to leave. And David spent years on the run, not months, not weeks, years. But what was going on during that time? Well, David was going about from place to place. He was going all throughout the land of Israel. He was wandering. He was meeting people. He was seeing the the borders of Israel. He was seeing the enemies up close. Now, do you think that God was maybe preparing him to be king? Do you think God was making sure he knew the territory? He knew the enemies. He knew the people. I think that there was so much at work there. Besides that, David was learning to rely on God. God was providing his food. God was providing him shelter and keeping him free from his enemies. There's a lot to be learned in the waiting. And we need to learn to not be so impatient with that, but to trust. Trust that God knows what he's doing. Even when we don't see it. Even when we don't want to be there. Just trust The last quote, the third quote, is um, from TwoUnearth.com. And it says, rest from busyness allows us to think about our lives and at the same time trust God's timing and sovereignty. We need rest. And I would say for the Christian, that rest is the rest that we find in God, in running to him. We need to take time out of our day And open up our Bibles. And we need to take time out of our day and sit with God in prayer. There is no other way to have a good communication with God and have a good relationship with God except for to spend time with Him. Psalm 62.5 says, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Going to His Word is going to show us all the promises. (laughs) that he has there. It's going to show us all the examples, just like the examples I'm telling you, all the examples of how God worked in his people's lives time and time and time again. 
There is so much comfort and hope and strength to be found when we run to the Word. We have to find rest in God. We have to go back to Him. If we just keep going to try to get through our day, if we just keep going to try to get through the cancer treatments or to try to get through the schooling that's just such a burden or to try to, you know, put the past of this relationship behind us, but forget the peace of going to God for our rest, we're still going to come out empty. We have to go to God for our rest. Chris Tomlin had a beautiful song that was called Sovereign. And um, it has just been, oh, it's been one of those songs that I can go back to and just remind myself that God knows exactly what's going on. And that's how I find my rest in God, is knowing God is sovereign. Um, Some of the lyrics from the song Sovereign says, In your everlasting arms, all the pieces of my life from beginning to the end, I can trust you. In your never-failing love, you work everything for good. God, whatever comes my way, I will trust you. All my hopes, all I need, held in your hands. All my life, all of me, held in your hands. All my fears, all my dreams, held in your hands. And God is sovereign. That is a great song to turn to if you are just wondering if there's any meaningful reason for what you're going through. That in another song that has been huge for me is Though You Slay Me by Shane and Shane with the uh, John Piper uh, dialogue in it. Oh man, if you have not listened to that, please go do yourself a favor and um, listen to that. I, I listened to it for months on end and sometimes just go back to it because it's so good at reminding me God is sovereign and there's a purpose here and I can trust him. I want to end with some of the promises of God because again that's where we find our hope. That's where we find our rest. That's why how, where we find our strength. Romans 8:28. God works all things for the good of those who love him. Hebrews 13:5. God has said never will he leave us, never will he forsake us. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. I love you with an everlasting love. I think that's so huge when we've messed up. God's love for us is everlasting. He doesn't cut it off. It is never ending. So we can keep going back to him because I don't care how bad we've messed up. He's got enough love to cover it. Love and grace. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 14 And again, you probably know this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Um, but also then he goes on to say, come to me, call to me, and I will answer you. It's just the, that um, reminder that God has a plan for our life, but he also is there whenever we call on him. Matthew 6, 24 uh, to 34, just Jesus' reminder that we don't have to worry and that God sees us and <laughs> he takes care of the birds and he takes care of Um, the flowers, and so we can trust him with our lives, every single little detail. Isaiah 49, 16, See, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. I think that passage is so important because back in my day, I used to write 
little reminders to myself on my hand. You know, that was kind of a big deal in the 90s and the 80s. You know, if you needed to remember to bring your permission slip back to school or something, you'd write it on your hand. Because how can you not see what's on your hand? You use your hand so much, you're going to see it. And God says that he has engraved us on the palms of his hands. Engraved, as in it's not going to just wash off with soap and water when you go to wash your hands. Like we are carved in his hands. And then he says, you know, your walls, your issues are ever before me. We can trust that because we are always on his mind. How reassuring is that? I hope this this has helped you just build up your coping toolbox so that you have something to run to when you are in the depths and that you can remind yourself as we so often need to be reminded that God is with us and he's there and he's ready to help us. We have to turn to him. We have to be patient. We have to find our rest in him. And we have to remember that he is sovereign at all times. This has been Little Things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Please remember to like and share this message with a friend. And don't forget that time of grace covets your prayers. Please pray with us that this message will reach many others and reach them in their time of need so that it can give them the hope that they need. And then if you're so inclined, please remember to um, financially help time of grace as well. 